Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome to 51 First Dates. We are a dating podcast. And thank you for being here. We're thrilled you're here. We miss you. We miss each other. We are in our houses. It is everything is very intense. Um, How are you doing? Yeah. How are you doing? Um, (laughs) First of all, that. Second of all, thank you so much for the amazingly generous donations. Um, If you listened to our kind of like fake non-episode last week, we talked about matching donations and we've had the most amazing response um yeah we've raised over $1,300 so far that's all being matched and we have you know 200 more that we could raise um and we encourage you if you if, if you can uh to donate we know donation is just the first step it's barely a baby step um set up recurring donations if you can that's great too we're happy to match you in that way as well we're gonna think about where we want to be donating um in a recurring way uh so let us know if that's something you decide to do. Um, just on that note, we had posted on Instagram some organizations, and I think a lot of those organizations are seeing a lot of funds. So we just wanted to highlight a couple more that you may not be aware of. One is uh, Black Futures, and this Black Futures Lab is an organization focused on getting out the black vote. Um you know, issues around the U.S. Census, et cetera. It was actually recommended to us by Damona Hoffman, our amazing guest today. So wanted to shout that out as something you may not have heard of. So check that out, blackfutureslab.org. And then another one is Loveland Foundation, which you may know if you follow Rachel Cargill. It is her organization that provides funding for black women and women of color to go to therapy. And that's so on brand for us we love therapy and we talk about it as a privilege but it's even just being able to talk about it as a privilege so I think that's one to definitely check out uh and then you know it is also pride month and we need to be better about representing um you know the LGBTQ community as well and so another organization if in thinking about black trans lives that you could check out is Glitz, G-L-I-T-S. I don't know if I should be pronouncing it as Glitz, but I'm learning. I saw this posted today, and it's a really cool organization. Um, Sayan Darashaw is the founder of this organization, and she's providing housing in New York for fly- five black trans people who are recently released from Rikers Island and looking to make sure she can continue those efforts and raising money online. So we will put the link. Uh, I put it on our Instagram. We'll put the link in this show notes as well but another really interesting organization to check out um really cool stuff and I think like needs the support so that those are some ideas (laughs) I'm sorry to throw that at you I know there's a lot going on and you know we're we're yeah we're just trying to continue to make sure that we're challenging ourselves to do better and we know donations are just step one but we're really really grateful for all of you who have supported Completely. And we, yeah, we so appreciate, I, I I will say I was ready for some uh, angry emails or um, whatever was going to come our way that, I mean, that would never have stopped us from speaking out about this thing that we really believe in. But uh, we didn't get any of those. We got positivity, love, support, donations. And I'm so 
proud that you guys are our listeners. It, it makes me so happy that uh, everybody stepped up and was so cool. And um, and it really shows how big of a moment this is that everyone is taking this really seriously. And uh, we're going to Kimmy and I are really holding each other accountable to continue to and to continue to represent diversity. And we really want to find a regular dater who can bring diverse perspective. We want to um, highlight more voices again with this small platform we have. It has it has um, felt like a, a thing that we it, it's always been a part of our conversation. But I think we've done what a lot of people do, which is cop out when it's hard to find those mm-hmm. voices. And that's not OK. Um, so we are really, really committed to not doing that yep. um, and to continuing to learn. And honestly, like race has such an impact on how you date. Like we, this this is not going to become a podcast about um, about, you know, taking down racism. We will continue to talk about it, but it's it's a dating podcast. So we're going to basically make it as important as possible to bring in diverse perspectives um, and not be so uh, in our own very privileged dating experiences. Um, So that's what we're talking about moving forward. For every time we say like dismantle the patriarchy, we have to be like dismantle white supremacy. Like that's a terrible example, but just we we talk about the patriarchy so much and in the context of dating and we want to make sure we're talking about race when we need to as well. And I just want to say as the first dater, you know, I just, I don't think I ever paid enough attention to how privileged as a white woman on dating apps I was, how much easier getting dates was, Um, especially as, you know, a straight white woman, even in New York, when I whined about, you know, the men and the ratios and this and, and it's okay to, you know, still complain about dating if you're a white woman. I'm just, I don't think I ever fully recognized the privilege that I had as a white person on the apps. And, you know, we are going to continue to challenge ourselves to ask guests who are non-white guests, who are people from different backgrounds, who are black women or other women of color or men of color, to to ask them more specifically about, you know, racism and dating, especially online, because I think it's a huge problem. And Liza and I were just talking about this. I think we often want to ask and then we don't want to project like otherness. And it's just a cop-out. It's totally a cop-out. And we're going to address that more directly even if it makes us uncomfortable because that is what we need to do uh but you know if you if you if there are people you follow online we are going to do the work as well who you'd like to hear from who are open to talking about dating like like our other guests we're going to we have some ideas we're reaching out to people but also we have listeners on all the time and if anyone wants to share their experience and you know challenges around the racism on dating apps please email us, let us know. You don't have to. It's not your job. But if you want to share, um, we want to offer our platform and we'll do the work as well to find people who can speak to the issues. Uh, Yeah. So thank you for, again, just listening, being here, being supportive and patient with us. And we're going to we're going to be better. Totally. And um, we are are we going to do a consumption corner we i mean we basically in our mini non-episode thing last week uh talked about a lot of the stuff that we're reading and looking at whatever mm-hmm. um i uh so yeah i don't that's that's what i've been reading and looking at for the past week I yeah 
know, you can go back and listen to that and check out the show notes for last week's episode. I think we can um, do like a collective content consumption. Uh, we can do some recommendations like really specifically on uh, amplifying, you know, voices, black voices, you know, black trans voices. I think we, we, Liza and I have to do a little bit more work and then we can come to you next week with a more concrete recommendation list on, on content, sorry, content that is dating related from people of color rather than just kind of what we spoke about on our last episode or what you're getting on your social media feeds. Because again, we're a dating podcast. So there's, you know, there, there's a lot of important work to be done and a lot of reading and education that I need to do around racism and the history of race in this country. But we also want to recommend dating content um, from black women and men. And yeah, I think we'll have a, I think we just want to make sure we're recommending what we want to be recommending. Um, And so we'll do that next week. Right, Liza? Completely. Um, And for the the bulk of our episode this week, we have this incredible interview with Damona Hoffman. Um, We spoke to her a couple weeks ago. Uh, and um, have been really excited to release it because she's she, she's absolutely one of those guests. It's so cool that like after we talked to her, I was fangirling and like buzzing off of like, oh my god, I want to be better at everything I do. <laughs> um, she like she talks about uh, she breaks dating. She's well, okay. Do you want to give her accolades? Can we sure? Yeah. Talk about well, you know, it. if we're going to be very official, she's a certified dating coach and she's the host of the Dates and Mates podcast. Uh, but on top of that. She, you've probably seen her on television, not just in appearances. She had a show on FYI TV called A Question of Love. She's got all sorts of amazing actionable programming for people looking to find love. But most of all, I I came across Demona's work way back when I was writing and still living in New York and needed to quote sources in dating articles for Bus for Elite Daily, and I would. Always go to Demona. What you can't overwhelm anyone, but she always had. Uh, I love all dating experts. We've had great dating experts on, but her advice was, you know, it wasn't just kind of an echo chamber of things you could like quickly Google. She had real actionable, tangible advice. Um, is so educated on these topics, and it's just a delight she, too. <laughs> she breaks everything down. I love like a checklist. I love action items. Mm-hmm. I feel like she breaks everything down. Things that can feel about things about dating that can feel really unwieldy and overwhelming. She makes them seem not that way. And she that's to me so she's so pragmatic about the process of dating. And she talks a lot about her experience dating and she's been married for a long time. But when she was looking when she was looking to date her husband, like how she she decided she knew what she wanted and the way she went after it. And it's very um uh, yeah, I wish I had been introduced to her work when I was still dating. It might not have been so fraught with um, craziness. But uh, yeah, so we're really excited to share that. Yeah, and, and I guess for Content Consumption Corner, just check out her podcast as well, Dates and Mates. It's, you know, a much more cohesive and organized way of talking about dating issues it's so good. than we do here. Um, but, you know, so listen to us if you can. <laughs> Uh, totally. Yeah, but also one little audio note. Oh, are we ready for this? No, Sorry. That, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> it's my fault. So, um, we had just no. It's nobody's fault. It's the gremlins, the tech technology gremlins. Um, Kimmy had like a little issue with her recorder, so you're gonna be hearing her uh audio is gonna sound a little bit like she's on the phone because we're gonna use our our backup from our good friend Zoom. 
Um, so it may sound a little different, but it, it sounds totally fine. And it happens. Uh, so please do forgive us for that. Um, anything else? No, I think, you know, donate if you can. Keep thinking about um, how, I guess, like how to keep things going. This is what I'm thinking about. I read a Twitter thread by at Tatiana Mac, T-A-T-I-A-N-A, M-A-C, Mac. And it was all about like tangible next steps we can take as white people because you know we're getting all this information what do we do like the way to actually make an impact and I would just highly recommend her Twitter thread it starts with white people um we got to talk about burnout um but anyway that's so that's something so keep doing whether you can donate or just do the work you know that's great reach out to us if you have ideas we have ideas of people you'd like to hear from um reach out if you want to share your own experiences and again as always that's across the board but we do want to you know increase the diversity of the voices on this podcast so especially if you think you have a new perspective to share please please reach out totally and you can do that at 51firstdatespod at gmail.com or on instagram at 51firstdatespod I, I love sometimes doing business makes me happy because it's so simple. It's so simple. Um, yeah. We're going to take a really quick break and then we're going to be back with our interview with Demona Hoffman. So we are so excited to have Demona Hoffman here, certified dating coach and host of the Dates and Mates podcast, which you all should be listening to if you're not already. I know some of you are. Demona, thank you so much for being here. I am so glad to be on this show. I, I have, we've been traveling in the same circles for years, so it's great yep. to be here. Yeah, yeah. It's so nice to finally connect. We've been fans from afar for a long time, and now we're all, you know, sitting in our faraway respective homes talking about dating. I'm thrilled. <laughs> My favorite thing. <laughs> so Demona, we always ask everyone, but do you have a worse first date story? I have a lot of bad first date stories, but um, one is really standing out to me <laughs> because um, before I met my husband, I tried a lot of different methods of dating and I actually tried speed dating um, what like once. <laughs> and I found that even though it was a five minute date, you know, I'm going around meeting all these people. Most of them were nice, but somewhat forgettable. But there was this one guy that like, Somehow in five minutes time, he managed to get into an argument with me and we were like bickering back and forth. And then it was like time. And it's like, oh, the argument's not even over. And then, of course, I was totally turned on by that. So I put his number down (laughs) (laughs) and then we get the matches later and he put my number down. So we matched and we went out on a couple of more dates and Ultimately, I realized that that is completely the wrong way to match with someone and to think that that means chemistry. And actually, it's kind of the foundation of a lot of what I ended up teaching daters. But I had to go through the fire myself to realize that bickering and fighting on a first date within five minutes is not a sign of compatibility. Ugh. <laughs> But I get it. I feel like I've been there where I'm like, oh, we're, this is like crackling. Like it's there, we've got a vibe like there's a if spark. It's like, no, you just we just don't get along. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> there's a lot of confusion between what chemistry is and what connection is. And I was feeling something. And I think that's that's also was a it was a pattern of my dating life before. Like I would be attracted to someone if there was conflict and intrigue and we see this a lot of times in the rom-coms that we that we grew up watching like 
oh, there, there's so much passion there. And so that must be what love is. And thank goodness I came to my senses and realized that real love is something completely different. Yeah, we talk about that a lot. And actually, we've been rewatching just during quarantine Sex in the City season one and seeing a lot of those patterns of like, this is what love looks like and saying, no, 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 it is absolutely not, not all that conflict. But I think, you know, identifying what is the right kind of connection is really tricky. I've struggled with it, honestly, my whole life until now. But Demona, uh, you know, you've been married for 17 years, you said? I've been with my husband for 17 years. Um, wow. And okay. then we've been married for 13. And we can also wow. talk about the four years in between. <laughs> I mean, if that okay. interests so, you. <laughs> we love in the, you know, yes. Well, so you were speed dating. What was kind of, what was going on in your love life when you met your husband and how did you meet him? So the speed dating came at a time when I was um, really dating with purpose. I had been, I, I was uh, working as a casting assistant um, at CBS in Los Angeles. And I was having the time of my life and meeting tons of people and actors and musicians and going out every night. And I was like, this is awesome. Dating more than I've ever dated in my whole life. And then one day I came into the office like heartbroken over yet another breakup guy treating me badly. You know, you've been there. And my boss was like, I don't like these guys that you're dating. Like, look at you. Look at yourself. And it really took that catalyst to realize that I was dating by chance and not dating people that were really fulfilling or moving my life forward in any way. And she said, there's this new thing called online dating. And she was recently divorced. And she was like, it's like man shopping. Look at all these guys. And this guy owns this corporation. And this guy is super successful. And look how funny and look how cute he is. And I was like, all of these guys are online? Because I thought, you know, Jade Aid had been around before and like, uh, love at AOL and all, all of these kind of beginnings. This is even, I think, before Match or like right as Match was launching. And I thought that people who dated online were like, like hags and ogres that lived in their mom's basement. No shade to anyone living in their mom's basement right now. But that was just my impression was like, this is not people I actually want to date. And once I saw that there was opportunity there, and once I realized that the kind of guys that I was dating were not getting me where I wanted to be, I created an entire dating plan to fix my love life. Wow. That was, I mean, that's amazing that you were able to identify that and <laughs> move on it. Was this like in your early 20s? Give us a sense of like where you are in time. Yeah, this was in my early 20s. Moment. And so there were not a lot of people that were dating online in my age group. And I just found that there were a wealth of people out there and that I needed to have clarity. So Going back to, I said at the beginning, I was working as a casting director. So at the same time, I was also teaching classes for actors and how to market themselves and have headshots that really stood out to someone like me and would tell their story visually. And I got the bright idea to apply some of the same techniques that I would tell actors about having a headshot 
that worked to my online dating profile. And that was when things really connected and I ended up meeting my husband. But there was another piece of the dating plan that made that I had to be going through in order to appreciate my husband when I met him. And back to when my boss said, I don't like these guys that you're dating. I was like, okay, I need to date a nice guy. I'm going to create a plan called Operation DNG, which was short for Operation Date Nice Guys. And so (laughs) that was like my mantra. If I was meeting a guy, that was the filter that I had to look through everything. And so when I first saw my husband's profile, I was like, oh my God, on paper, he's everything that I'm looking for. And then we made a plan to meet up and he walks in the door and he's got like this nice button down shirt and a Banana Republic sweater and these wool pants and sensible loafers. And I was like, oh, he's cute, but he looks so nice. I should introduce (laughs) him to someone. That was literally my first thought. Like I got to introduce him to another friend. Like he's not right for me, but somebody has to date this guy. And then I really had to remind myself, no, I have a dating plan. I'm doing Operation Date Nice Guys. This is a nice guy. This is the kind of guy that you should be with. And it really took time for us to develop a bond and for for me to really get to know him. And a lot of nice guys are slow burn, as I I know you've experienced. They're not the kind of guy that you have in five minutes a knockdown drag out fight with. They're the kind of guys that really take time to trust you and open themselves up. And that was a really big adjustment, but ultimately it paid off. Yeah. Wow. It's amazing you were able to, like, yeah, like I said, identify that, pivot, be like, okay, here's the plan. How about nice people? I feel like that takes so many people, and like I'm including Kimmy and I in this, a long time to move past the like, oh, he's a sensitive, tortured artist type, and I love it. And he doesn't, like, he's emotionally withholding, but like, it's so hot. You know, like, I feel like that phase lingers on for a lot of people myself included and then you realize like why why don't get me wrong my husband is a sensitive (laughs) tortured artist but he's also a nice guy who really um you know and he also wasn't the right guy for everyone like he was uniquely suited for me and that's what I really help people do on the Dates and Mates podcast and in my programs, I help them figure out what do you uniquely bring to the table and what do you uniquely need? What's your what's your value system? What are your goals for the future? And once you get clear on that, it's a lot easier to see the right connections. And then you look back, like people are always writing into my show and asking me, how did you know? Or how do your clients know when they met the one? And I don't know, you might have something to say about this too, Liza, but like, I feel like when you know, you know, because you look back at the other situationships and the 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 ups and downs you went through and you go, oh, that was nothing like this. And sometimes it feels like, it does feel like nothing's happening sometimes in a great relationship. Kimmy, maybe you've been, been going through this too. It feels like nothing's yeah. happening, but it's like, Everything is happening. It's just happening in a completely different way than what you've, the, the tale you've told yourself about what love really is. Yeah, it's, we, that's so interesting that it feels like nothing ha- is happening because it feels 
easy, as everyone says, but until I got into the relationship that I'm in now, I didn't understand what that meant. I thought there had to be some level of drama and intrigue to still have attraction, but easy meaning, you know, different than everything else in that it just feels right. It's, and it's so annoying. I'm sure we have a lot of single listeners listening and they're like, oh, come on. And this is where I'm so glad we have you, Demona, <laughs> because it can, you can hear that it should feel different and feel easy, but it's hard to tangibly think about how to start looking for that, if that makes sense. I mean, you would operation date nice guy, mm-hmm. but I'm kind of in thinking about that mindset. And we talked a little bit about this offline, but we're in quarantine. Not everyone's dating. We are all a little tired of quarantine dating content, FaceTime dating, etc. How though could some listeners, anyone, you know, who's single and excited to start dating in the wild again, use this time to get in the right mindset? Do you have any ideas on that? Yes. I do a lot of this at the beginning of my program and just working. So I have five steps in my program. It's super easy. I'll run through it really quick and then we'll focus on mindset. Mindset's the first step. So the mindset is one, knowing what you bring to the table and what you want. And then also just taking stock of the stories that you've told yourself, the relationships you've had in the past. Because the reason that you're not sure what love feels like is because you haven't really felt it before and you are continuing to pair with someone that makes you feel the way you felt before in a relationship. And those relationships are relationships that didn't work out. So it should feel different if you want to have a different ending. So it's mindset, sourcing, where are you finding dates, screening, how are you qualifying dates to make sure that they are somebody that you actually want to invest your time in getting to know. And then, of course, presentation and flirting. And then follow through. It's amazing to me how many people screw it up just in the follow through, the lack of follow through, the the second guessing, what is he thinking or what does this mean or what do I even want? Is there something better out there that that stops the momentum? So it's just it's those five steps. And I figure if we figure out where in that dating funnel, as I call it, are you getting stopped up? There's a leak somewhere. Once we shore it up, things are going to flow. So when we're working on mindset, I do a lot of exercises that are visualization based. And we you can do that in a lot of different ways. Like some of my clients really like to write. So we might journal or write what's called a living vision, where we put yourself into the future six months from now in the relationship that you dream of. And it's really exciting to me because so many of my clients start the process and they're like, I can't do it. Like, I can't even, I've been in this space for so long. I can't even really picture what that's like. Or I write it and then I think that's not going to happen six months from now. And I've just seen time and time again, when people go through my process, I have a 90% success rate for those that complete my my coaching program. But it takes the action and it takes the clarity of figuring out what you need to do and actually doing the steps. And I've seen people's lives change that dramatically in six months. And what I help people do is to get away from the list. I mean, have you, have you done, did you do one of these lists? I know I did. Like he's going to be this tall. I didn't even write it all down, (laughs) but it was a really specific list. And we've talked about the list. And I think, you know, 
it, it, I should have just gone to you, Demona, but instead we made this podcast and I went on a bunch of dates and that taught me to reevaluate the list. But yes, I'm very familiar with the list. Well, that's an important thing, though, too, Kimmy, because um, the best way to shift your dating life is actually through action. Like some people are like, how does what you do differ from therapy? And I'm a big fan of therapy and I often have clients that either come to me referred from a therapist or are going through therapy at the same time. But the biggest difference that I see is that I think your behaviors are only going to change if you actually go through the the dating process and you are, we can talk about it theoretically, we can dream and visualize six months in the future but unless you're actually getting out there and going on dates and seeing what you like and what you don't like and having those realizations like you had you can't really feel it and you can't really make changes so for some people it's the it's the visualization exercise and what i really do is get away from that list and get into the feeling what would it what will it feel like when you are in the arms of this person what will it feel like to be with them and to feel supported and to not have all these bickering arguments and let that feeling be the thing that guides you through the dates rather than checking off how much money does he make how tall is he where does he live what kind of shoes does he wear or whatever it is that is on your filter yeah it's funny because I feel like when I was single and I was very much in a mindset of like I am never gonna find what I actually want I kind of just had this deep internalized belief that I would always have to compromise something there was no way to actually get like that exact feeling that it was not achievable and I think because of that I didn't allow myself to like hope for it so the idea of sitting down and like visualizing that is so that's so strong to me like I feel like more people have to allow themselves to go to fantasy land and be like okay what does it feel like what does it look like what's the vibe yes and we never allow ourselves to daydream really I mean that's why we're watching the rom-coms we're daydreaming through Carrie (laughs) let's daydream for ourselves and just so often I see that these dreams do come true for people if you allow yourself to dream. But it's like the combination of the more esoteric dream it, achieve it. And then and then we really get into the tactical. And, you know, people have accused me of being a non-romantic dating coach. I don't care. Say what you want. I know my program works. So we do the dreaming and then we are like, okay, what are you doing? Sourcing. Where are you finding your dates? Are you only doing online or have you sworn off dating apps? What's the sweet spot? Where? How do we put yourself in the orbit of the person that fits this mold that you've created? Right. And then mm-hmm. and then what actions are you taking to to meet that person and to make sure that you're devoting time to the right people? That's the biggest thing that I hear from clients. They're like, well, I don't really have time or I don't want to waste time. And, you know, especially like when you're in your 30s and you're like feeling that societal ticking, ticking clock, it's hard not to to feel like you're wasting time when you're going out with a lot of people and not having it turn into something. Yeah, I know it's interesting. We said one silver lining of the quarantine dating could be that, you know, it's not a whole night out. Maybe you just do that FaceTime awkward thing and get a vibe and then move on or, you know. Yeah. But again, I feel like that's individual to each person, whether they're down to date in that way or not. 
Yeah, well, remember the third step that I said is screening. And that's another thing that a lot of people were skipping. And I felt as a dating coach, like very out of control of this phenomenon that was happening. Like everybody was saying, I'm getting ghosted. I, I'm I'm not feeling like I'm really making connections. Um, there was this guy that I was chatting with and I thought it was really going somewhere. And then all of a sudden it just stopped. And I think that that was a symptom of us going too fast and not actually screening people and then just being like, oh, swipe, swipe, chat for a second. And then let's just go out on a date. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't screen for that person to make sure that they aligned with your values and your goals for the future and your communication style. And we don't know anything about them. So what I do love about this quarantine is, one, it got us to slow down a little bit. And I've seen a lot of people that started relationships right before the quarantine that have moved into very serious relationships very quickly. Um, but also it's it's causing people to have to filter because you have to do either a phone call or a FaceTime date. You have no choice. And that was something that I've been like beating the drum about for was seven years I've been doing my podcast. I'm like, do a phone call, do a FaceTime, do some sort of filter before you actually show up on the date because you'll burn out, right? Yeah. If you just go out with every person that asks you out, of course you're going to hate dating. I would hate it. Yep. Yeah. And do you have thoughts on, in this screening process, do you have thoughts on like what you should be looking for, what types of questions you should be asking? Like, are there ways to suss out the information you need, you know, concisely without it being too much of a, you know, texting back and forth forever situation? Yes. I I tend to like asking people questions that get them to tell a story. It's hard to do that just over messaging. So you really like can't stay in the messaging phase too long. That's more of a phone call or a FaceTime. Um, but like, Getting a story like, oh, what's the first concert that you went to? That's way better than saying, like, what kind of music do you like? Because then when you tap into the nostalgia and you tap into understanding somebody's sensibility and how they felt about being there and and memories, that's actually something that can be really bonding for two people. Um, I try to get the conversation away from the mundane, away from work and how was your day and really jumpstart into things that are exciting to you. Like maybe right now it's like, hey, what's on your Netflix queue? <laughs> or I'm looking for things to add to my Netflix queue. Do you have any recommendations? And then people can get like really excited about, I don't know, Tiger King or whatever. <laughs> Too hot to handle, whatever you're watching. <laughs> no judgment. Definitely too way. hot to handle. <laughs> no judgment either way. <laughs> but the big yeah, thing is smart, like moving I feel it like... forward, right? Yeah. To the next. Yeah. Time. I love the idea of sussing out stories too, because I think that also tells you more about a person than like self-reporting. I mean, it's all self-reporting, but I think if someone's telling you an anecdote, it's a little harder to get like the shiny presentation that can sometimes, you know, I think on dating, sometimes it's like, here you go. Like, here's my here's resume. resume. Yeah. And yeah. It's like, well, I want to hear about a thing that, you know, it's it seems to be more personality revealing. Yeah. And this is something that was sort of um, also sad to me. You know, I've been helping people write profiles for 15 years, so I've mm -hmm. been in it since since the legacy sites and 
I appreciate that Tinder made dating more accessible to everyone and reduced the stigma because I've known about it. I've known about the gold mine that was online dating for a long time. Now everybody else has caught on. But then now that everyone else has caught on, you're going to do have to do a lot more more screening and more filtering. And because the barrier for entry on Tinder is just so low, like, okay, you have you have a couple of photos and you write one sentence and you're on. You know nothing about people. Like I really felt like I knew my now husband pretty well. Like I at least knew knew his sensibility because I had at least a few paragraphs that he'd written about himself or about his interests. So there are still apps out there that have a little bit more detail. Um like OkCupid or Hinge, there's just a lot more to go on so that you're not jumpstarting the conversation from zero. Because I I find that is really difficult. Like you said, it's hard to know what to say. And if you haven't, if you don't really have much detail in the photos, if they're all just like, you know, cute little selfies um, and God forbid, like a shirtless mirror (laughs) selfie or whatever, (laughs) what do you know about that person? Not really that much. Yeah. yeah. I also think with that low barrier to entry, it's so easy for the messaging or not technical messaging, but what people are putting out there to appear one way. For example, someone's on Tinder, they seem really nice and like they might be looking to date for an eventual relationship, but really they're actually just looking to date to sleep with someone, which they have every right to do. But I guess a lot of times it feels like the wires get crossed um, with online dating in terms of what the intention is eventually. I'm not saying after a first date, but Demona, do you have any advice for kind of how to suss out for someone looking for something more serious, potentially how to suss out, like, I don't know, in working with your clients, if you've seen any particular red flags that appear over and over, especially with online dating around people who aren't looking for something serious. It's not that people don't show the red flags. It's that people don't see the red flags. So most times, if you ask, which a lot of people won't do because we're so afraid of rejection, if we say we're looking for a serious relationship and that is too intense, they may run away. But I always say, you know, rejection's your protection. So if somebody is like, oh, serious relationship? No, thank you. Great. You just saved yourself a lot of heartache and time and sure maybe they were they were so cute their shirtless bathroom selfie was so hot (laughs) and they fit everything that you're looking for except for the most crucial criteria and with my clients I give them three must-haves and one deal breaker and so many of the time I find that it's not that the person hasn't said it. It's that they've they had two out of three and they they forgave the third thing that was a must have. So that's why I keep it like you don't get 10 or 15 things on your list. You get three must haves and one deal breaker. And if if you want kids and that person said from the beginning they don't want kids, don't think you're going to talk them into it. Don't think it's going to suddenly change down the road. Of course, things can change, but you can't go into it with that expectation. You have to take the information at face value and people will tell you. People will tell you upfront who they are and what they want. And it's up to you to hear it and then 
act accordingly. Yeah, no, it's really a good point. Um, I, you know, the more direct everyone could be in dating, especially because it's migrated to a lot of online dating, I think we'd all be in better shape. Uh, And can I just like reframe the directness conversation for a second? Like, I find that a lot of people are afraid of being direct, especially women think they'll come off as too forward or aggressive. And um, there's a whole other thing with the men that I work with on consent and how to present that. And we are all just so afraid to really say what's on our minds. But if you really think back to a lot of the dates you had previously, experiences you had, people you met, directness is really sexy. Like I remember this guy didn't end up working out, spoiler alert, but <laughs> I I was at this party and this guy just just walked straight up to me and was like, he, we talked for just a few minutes. And he was like, I think you're really attractive and I would love to take you out on a date. And I was like, what? <laughs> like It had, I, you know, here I was like in my mid twenties and it had just never happened to me before that somebody would actually just straight up tell me how they felt about me, what they wanted to do. And of course I was like, you'll get a really clear answer. I I was interested. So I was like, yes. But if that, if you're not interested, if that person is not interested, you know, really clearly early on, you don't have to waste a lot of time. Yeah. Which is so important. I, I, my, I was going to say my biggest regret of my 20s, not my biggest regret of my 20s, but just like the pattern I noticed throughout my 20s and dating, despite being in therapy for most of those years, was that I was wasting, quote unquote, a lot of time Mm -hmm. by not being direct, even deep into dating someone where they've kind of said they're not really looking for something serious, but I've thought I could change that or just been too afraid to ask, you know, what they were looking for. yeah, just resonates so much. It's scary, but vulnerability is also very attractive. You know, putting sexy. it out there is very attractive as long as you're, you know, receptive to no's and yeses. And yeah. yeah. But also you got to give yourself a break for also being in the moment with someone. You can really, when you start to feel feelings, it can cloud all of your other judgment. And so that's why I really counsel people to do this early on like within the first three months because once you get past that point now you have bonded memories you have social network overlap and it's just it's really it's it becomes much harder to see the reality of what's going on yes yeah completely and it's it's funny because we've all seen people in that phase, you know, we've all seen our friends a couple months into something and we're like, Ooh, and they're like, yeah, it's, and it's tough, you know, it's tough, but I, I've been that person too. Everyone's been that person. Everyone's seen that person. Yeah. We talk about therapy so much for the exact same reasons and yeah, just having, yeah, having a like moment with yourself always where you were like, is this right? Yeah. Um. To pivot a little bit, just before we before we leave, I'd I'd love to touch on a little bit of what you're talking about earlier about making a profile and using those skills as a casting director and putting casting yourself in a good light. You know, a lot of people I think have a lot of time right now at home on their phones to be 
you know, reshaping their brand, their online dating brand. Um, <laughs> first of all, do you have, so you, you said that OkCupid and Hinge were, you know, that's where you get a little bit more information. Are those the apps sites that you tend to steer your clients towards? Do you have opinions on which sites are best? I have clients that have had success on pretty much every, every app. Well, not every app, but I won't, I won't say the ones not <laughs> to go to. But um, I, I have clients that have been successful on Tinder. So um, it's really not so much the tool as how you use it. So it's like you could have a hammer <laughs> and you could be trying to uh, pull you could be trying to put a screw in. I'm not trying to get sexual or anything, but <laughs> but it's going to take you a long time using a hammer, right? So if you use if you use a screwdriver, it's going to be a lot easier. So you use mm-hmm. the right tool for the job that you want, and you use it properly. Um, so if you are looking for a serious relationship, you might want to go somewhere where people have paid money to be there where people are taking it more seriously or have had to like, okay, Cupid, for example, you have to fill out, I think it's 15 questions to get online. There's a, there's a bigger barrier for entry. So people Mm -hmm. are there with a little bit more intention, but you still have to do your proper filtering because people are there for any number of reasons. Um, But I'm careful to recommend one app over the other, because I think you have to figure out, a couple of core things. One, do you like the selection of people there? Two, do you like the functionality? Do you like using your app? So many times people will say to me, oh, well, I'm on Tinder, but I hate it. Like, I hate the way it works. I hate that I don't know this. And I'm like, then why are you on Tinder? Find an app that you actually are going to be excited to use. Uh, depending on what market you're in, it really varies which ones are more successful. So certainly ask your friends which ones are working for them. But then mm-hmm. see what responses you're getting. So I used a lot of different sites. This is before apps. Before I met my husband. And actually the the site that we met on was the one that I had the least success on. And I was actually going to sign off like two weeks after we met I had decided like oh I'm not gonna renew because um I uh, oh this is a big key thing for women you have to initiate and you have to like the first part of filtering is you doing the filtering process and initiating messages so that you're not responding to just whatever's in your inbox you're actually you're actually like taking initiative to create conversations with the right kind of people. So I find that women, if it's a mutual match, like you have to both swipe the same way, I find that women are much more discerning and are swiping left far too often. And then on the more traditional um, sites like or apps like Match, which a lot of my clients have been really successful on, and I like it because you can filter by so many different fields and keywords and so many other things that can get you new people into your um, queue that when you are when you're on apps like that you have to do a lot more legwork but the legwork is getting you what you want it's getting you the relationship so I would say like isn't that one of the more important things in your life we put all yeah. this effort into like 
searching for lipsticks on, you know, Ulta.com. And yet, <laughs> when it comes to yeah. our relationship, we're like, ah, it's too much work. And then at least you're doing legwork on your couch and not out at bars with people who suck, you know, on those dates that just aren't what you want, aren't what you looking, you're looking for. I'd much rather do homework than date bar work, even though that maybe that's a little <laughs> off brand for our podcast. But I do think it's like, <laughs> like, I think going on the dates is super important. But yeah, the idea of like, okay, you can do a little bit more, more like clickety clack at home to up the quality. Yeah, and I do help people with learning flirting skills offline and attraction skills in person, but it's just so much more efficient. Like you said, Liza, like you you and you could be in multiple bars at the same time. So, why not get your profile and make your profile really it's your online resume. It's your calling card. So, I, you know, I have this um, profile starter kit that's on my website. I'm sure you'll put the link in the show notes. If anyone that's yep. just like stuck, but the basics are the three C's, color, context, and character. And this is really developed from a psychology perspective. Color, because that's going to stand out when somebody swipes, swipes, swiping, and there's picture after picture. You're going to get them to pause and actually go through the rest of your pictures with a little bit more um, attention. Context, telling your life story through your photos, and character, showing your personality through your photos. And if you have those three things and you have photos that really are doing a good job of telling your story, that's going to be the first line of filtering and screening for you. Hmm. It's really good advice. I also, I love the alliteration. It helps me. <laughs> <laughs> the three C's, color, context, character. I love it. <laughs> it's I, true because it's like you see so many. I used to have Kimmy's apps logged in on my phone when she was dating on the apps. And you see so many of the same pictures. And some of them are obvious, you know, no is like the bathroom selfie. But so many of them are just generic, you know, you're out somewhere with a beer, smiling, with sunglasses on. It's like I can't. And everyone, guys are far worse at this. I because I look at profiles for both men and women, and I find that men really, really struggle. Like if they put the tiniest bit of effort, or like have a female friend to look at their profile first, it it will put them, it will put them light years ahead of the pack. But a lot of women have pictures that are really pretty and cute and utterly forgettable. And I I I find and research shows actually that if you have a picture that's polarizing, it's actually far better because the people that see you as a potential match are going to be more likely to take action. Like if there's a picture that some people are like, that's a five out of five, and some people are like, that's a one, you actually are more likely to get matches and move into conversation than if all of your photos are a three or a two. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah. of, I don't know if this is polarizing, but a photo that I used to have in my dating app, this is from years ago, so the reference won't even be there, but I dressed up as Peggy from Mad Men when she's moving offices in this cool outfit with a cigarette coming out of the side of her mouth for Halloween. And I had the picture that was side by side. And like, I don't know if we call this polarizing. <laughs> I mean, I guess there was a fake cigarette in it, but like, 
the people who like loved Mad Men were into it, whereas people who were like, that's not their vibe probably weren't. Like, and that was, that got by far the most comments or attention of any dating app picture I've ever had. So it wasn't my main one, but it was something to talk about. Yeah, exactly. No, your main one should be uh, a more easy to read face shot, headshot um, with the color. And then, yes, you exactly demonstrated why the character and context photos are so so important because that generates discussion. And that's ultimate, well, ultimately what we want. We don't just want people to be like, she's hot, right swipe. We want conversation to happen and connection to occur. And that sounds like what you did. Yeah, it eventually a, worked out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good filter for you too in terms of sensibility. Like you understand if that person likes that show or at least knows that reference you might have at least one thing to talk about on the date. Yeah, yeah, no. It's- yeah, and is looking for something other than, you know, I I have a lot, I have many male friends with, with many breadths of personality and dating vibes, but I absolutely have some friends who are like, oh, she's so fucking hot. Like, that's <laughs> like the vibe of what they're swiping about. And I continue to try to be like, but this is maybe like, do you want to like look at more or whatever? I feel like having a picture that, is personality focused like obviously you know you have to be like cool and funny and fun to dress up as Peggy from Mad Men so that's a, like people who swipe on that are going to be I think the type of person who you want to date you know yeah I yeah. you're reminding me of a conversation I had with my cousin who he's very attractive he meets a lot of women online but he's like oh I'm always like meeting these these crazy chicks that are just like uh they're like independently wealthy they have no job and they're like they look great in a bikini but they can't carry on a conversation and I'm like well let me see your cue I'm gonna swipe for you and he's like oh yeah I swiped right on that one I they I mean they all look like it's like the post like the poster for Filtering your photos, like having a profile that's completely generic, but he's just responding to the bikini shots, the blonde hair and the boobs, you know, and I'm like, if you continue to swipe this way, you are going to continue to get that type of woman. And if you want something a little bit deeper and somebody that's interested in you for more than just your abs, you should probably take down your ab shot and you should probably swipe for something more than just a bikini shot. He has yet to take my advice. I find that my family members, like they say, like you can't coach your your family. <laughs> you, yeah. you shouldn't. You can't, like th- therapist, you can't go to your own family members because they never, him and my mom, like never take my advice. I'm like, I am offering you happiness on a platter. <laughs> but you do it your own way. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's also hard, you know, when you got those abs, it's hard to take the pick down. I get it. I've never had them. I do not get it. I don't know. But but that goes to understanding what other people might find attractive because we, I'm sure there's listeners right now that are like, oh, well, you know, I don't have a bikini bod. Like I'm not a 10. And so all the women that that do are getting all of the messages and there's no one left for me or the guys are thinking like I have to have that ab shot because that's what's going to attract them in and a lot of women I know 
have no interest in abs. I, I'm not like a muscle-bound kind of gal myself. Some do, but that's not what everybody wants. And yeah. if you can, if that is not the thing that you want to sell, you, you mentioned marketing earlier, Eliza, like if that's not how you want to market yourself, then don't put it on your shop because you think that's what everybody else has. Totally. Also, you're just hotter than you think you are, everyone listening. Totally. I, that's, I mean, I just continue to try to preach that because disliking the way I looked kept me away from dating for a long time. And it's just nonsense. You know, it's like, it's, there is not, you do not have to have like a bikini body to date. Thank you or for to saying wear a bikini. that. Yes. Thank you for saying um, that. That's really important. I just was worried I was like pr- accidentally preaching like uh, <laughs> app hotness as a barrier to entry. And if anyone has taken any time to look at me, uh, that is not my vibe. I haven't taken a shower in two or three days. Girl, I'm with you. <laughs> I am with you. And I will never, I'm like, I will never have a bikini shot taken of me. It will just never exist. So yeah, <laughs> wear it, wear it to the beach. Feels great. It doesn't, you know, can look however it looks, but uh, I have yeah. two kids. So I'm like one piece for the rest of my life, but that's fine. I'm comfortable with that. And I love yeah. a good one piece to be quite honest. You know, I love that they made a comeback. Um, very pro. <laughs> I can't wait to wear bathing suits again with friends in person. I'm never going to complain about my body again. Gosh. I know. Let's go to the beach, Kimmy. Let's go. I know. I know. I'll see you there with my mask. <gasps> yeah, with our mask. Mask. I'm not even sure if we can hang out that long on the beach. We'll I don't know. Walk. The rules change every day. I need to look them up. But... <laughs> Ah, well, thank you. I don't want to keep you too long. Thank you so much for doing this. This was incredibly helpful. And I know that there will be lots of follow-ups. I feel like we just touched the surface. Um, Where can everybody find you, follow you, listen to you? Well, I talk about this kind of stuff every week on the Dates and Mates podcast, of course. And then if you want to get that profile starter kit or uh, get a little bit deeper into your dating dating coaching journey, you can check out datesandmates.com. I'm also on all the socials as Demona Hoffman. So I like yeah, to hear we from will people link there. across the board in the show notes as well. Thank so. you. Absolutely. And thank you so much, Demona. This was so great to talk to you. And yeah, we hope we'll get to chat soon again. Same. Yeah, this is awesome. Thank you for having me.